0: Welcome to Pregnancy Confidential, Week 30. What giving birth with an epidural is really like. Pregnancy Confidential is a girlfriend-to-girlfriend real talk podcast from the folks at Parents Magazine, where we have your back and bump through all 40 weeks. I'm Dana Points. I'm the editor of Parents. And with me today is... I'm Chandra Turner, the executive editor of Parents. And... I'm Diane Dubrovner, the deputy editor of Parents. And I've had a couple epidurals. Anybody else? Two babies, two epidurals. Uh, I've had what's known as a spinal, I think, with my C-sections. So we've Similar. had a lot of anesthesia, but yes. fortunately it's worn off and so we will be able to talk. <laughs> we will be able to talk with a clear head about this. You know, in the last couple of weeks we've been covering exactly what you should expect from different kinds of births from The unmedicated vaginal birth to the C-section. Now at week 30, as you head into the last 10 weeks of pregnancy, you might want to know a little bit more about the most common way to give birth, which is vaginally with an epidural. And it's no surprise that lots of women end up delivering this way. Childbirth is, to be completely honest, painful and it is the 21st century after all so why shouldn't we take advantage of that and medicate ourselves that's a perfectly acceptable way to do it of course but there are pros and cons and it's worth weighing that before you write up your birth plan while we remind you that you should always expect the unexpected when you're expecting it's still worth knowing your options so we'll get into that in just a moment but before let's talk about where is your baby at week 30 in terms of growth this time, uh, your baby is the size of a large cabbage. A birthday balloon blown up. That's nice. That's sweet. What about a disco ball? A disco ball. That's People that's still have those? Good. <laughs> The birthday balloon and the disco ball. Bring those
1: both to the delivery room. I highly recommend.
0: Yeah, right. Not a birthing (laughs) ball. A disco ball. But if you want more details and serious ones about what's going on with your baby day by day, in fact, you can sign up for our daily pregnancy email at parents.com slash pregnancy daily, and we will give you the scoop.
1: Wherever you get your podcasts, you can also find us online at southernliving.com/slash-biscuits-and-jam.
0: Now, some women like to reject the idea of taking pain medication in labor, and I know we have listeners in our audience who are absolutely hell bent on giving birth without an epidural. So. I would still recommend you listen, um, because you might change your mind in the moment, just like you know, if you're sitting here today thinking, I am definitely getting me an epidural. You might find that you go to labor and delivery and and you decide against it. So try to maintain an open mind. The number of women who are opting for an epidural is rising. So in the 1980s, about 22, so 1 in 5, 22% of US women had an epidural. By 1992, the rate had doubled. And now, this was really astounding to me, now as many as 80% of women choose an epidural for pain relief during labor. So it really is quite common. It's a cocktail of medication delivered through a catheter that is inserted in your spine, which... Thankfully, you can't see because it's behind you, having had a couple epidurals, I can say that I appreciated not being able to see what was going on. It gives continuous pain relief to the lower part of your body, but yet you can remain fully conscious. People often just say epidural, and that's the generic term, but there are two procedures that are sort of thrown in under that umbrella. One is a spinal, and that is going to last a couple hours. And the other is something called a combined spinal epidural. It's also known as a walking epidural. I definitely did not have a walking epidural. Both times when I had epidurals, I could not walk. (laughs) I was induced twice. I got pitocin twice. It's a hormone that brings on labor quickly and very intensely. So maybe at that point they were like, she's not walking anywhere. She just needs to lay on her back and get this baby out. One of the concerns about having an epidural is that it's harder to push because you can't feel what's going on. Your anesthesiologist is probably going to give you whatever is the least amount to do the job because they want you to be, they want it to wear off in time to push often, or they at least want you to be able to start to feel something so that you can Push. That's what monitors are for. Right. So you can just watch that little... <laughs> yeah.
1: I, yeah. That's what the, the nurse and I would watch, mm-hmm. and she could tell when your next contraction was coming. Even right? if you
0: couldn't feel it.
1: Yeah. Right. No, and she would mm-hmm. say, okay, you've got... Ten seconds, and then you're going to have to start pushing. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? And she would count, mm-hmm. and I could see it. I could see the dips and the rise in mm-hmm. the monitor, and it was fascinating. And so then, when she would tell me, I would push, and then she'd tell me to push harder, and be cra- you know crazy, crazy, crazy.
0: I know I pushed hard enough, even though I had an epidural, because I broke a blood vessel in oh, one yeah. of my eyes, <laughs> which was a side effect that no one told me about. Right. I was horrified when I saw it. It was like Yeah, that was how you to relax your face. It's yeah. hard it's hard to. <laughs> Right. So after you get the epidural, your legs might tingle a little. They might feel weak. And so you're not going to really be doing any serious walking around. I
1: fell right out of the bed. Really? So. I was too stupid. I don't know. Because you can't feel your legs. You don't realize they're, I don't know. Yeah. I just swung around to get up to go to the bathroom and fell on the yeah.
0: floor. Yeah. So most of the time, even if they call it a walking epidural, you're, you're in bed, right? Yeah. Diane, did you have one? I forget. I had a spinal. Like, yeah. They called it when I had my C-section. And I do remember afterwards, I remember lying on a gurney and my legs were shaking incredibly. And I I don't know if that was just from the Anesthesia, Or whether that was just sort of the trauma of the baby coming yeah. out. Did you guys have that? Yeah. It was cold. Yeah. I
1: remember being cold. I didn't have the headache. But no. I do remember, and I don't know if there's a side effect of being cold or not, but I just remember kind of shaking and being cold.
0: Mm-hmm. Some people get drowsy. Mm-hmm. Some people are groggy, kind of, you know. I mean, Although is you're groggy anesthesia. after you have the baby anyway. So how do you know the difference, right. really? There is a headache. I did not have it, but it's apparently pretty intense but rare. And I will say, having labored without the epidural and then gotten it, I was at that point able to rest a little because I was not completely consumed by the pain. And so being able to rest, I stored up my energy a little bit for the point where I did have to push. There are some myths about epidurals. One is that, you know, if you get your epidural too early, your labor will be really long or you'll need a cesarean. Recent research has concluded that early placement of the epidural does not increase the length of labor or the likelihood of needing a cesarean. So that's good news. Now, people sometimes are concerned that the drug is going to reach the baby. The amount that gets in your bloodstream is really quite small. And if you have the spinal, it's even smaller. So just some good things to know. The thing that really was the most kind of scary for me was the idea that they were gonna stick a needle in my spine. Like that mm-hmm. the potential for that to hurt was far more worrisome for me than any pain that I might feel delivering a baby through natural childbirth. Which is I realize completely irrational.
1: No, but you so, have to stand really still too you do. when the anesthesiologist mm-hmm. comes, you have to do it between contractions, mm-hmm. which is why it's harder when you wait A little bit because, you know, obviously they're closer together. And, you know, my fear was, too, that, like, I was going to have this contraction sooner because, of course, they're getting closer and closer together and it wasn't going to be enough time and then it was going to slip and it was going to hurt more, you know. So I had a lot of anxiety around that. It was all fine, but at the time I'm being very nervous and I thought it would hurt a lot more than it actually did to insert
0: it. Yeah. No, it didn't really hurt because I think they numb you Mm -hmm, with with a little topical, like lidocaine or something before they put that needle in there. Now, all this said, I had an epidural the first time after really not thinking I would have one. And the second time... I asked for it immediately. (laughs) So that's my Yelp review of the (laughs) epidural. (laughs) You know, yes, please, may I have another? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So all in all, I would say it was a good good experience. It was a win-win. It was a (laughs) win-win.
1: I mean, I even took a little nap. I remember waiting to be fully dilated. You know, I got there, and especially for the second kid, I was so worked up with the first one. But the second one, you know, I just... I got to chill out, got, you know, sneak in some Z's because I was up the whole night before, you know, measuring the contractions and yada, yada, yada. And so it was nice to, like, have a little bit of a break. And my husband, of course, like, fell right to sleep. And then, you know, he felt like, oh, okay, well, she's fine. So I can take a nap before the baby's born, too. So it's a gift.
0: Yeah. My husband also fell asleep after (laughs) I got the pain meds. So I'm wondering about our listeners. I bet we'll hear from a pretty vocal group who don't want an epidural and who are going to do this without medication. And we're interested to hear from you. Um, and also, if you are gung-ho for the epidural, we want to hear from you too. So please tweet us at Parents Magazine with the hashtag Pregnancy Confidential. This week's Relax, You've Got This segment is about one of my favorite pregnancy topics, how to tell the difference between a Braxton Hicks contraction and the real deal. I like many pregnant women, was plagued by these Braxton Hicks contractions <laughs> throughout my pregnancy. And in my first pregnancy, they really made me anxious and kind of threw me for a loop because, you know, you didn't know what a real contraction felt like. They are useful, though, because as you get closer to delivery day, they are sort of like the practice run. And you will, in time, be able to distinguish the Braxton Hicks contractions from the real deal. They are what the scientists call prodromal labor. And it's an irregular, that's your first tip, irregular and infrequent contraction. Typically lasts 15 to 30 seconds maybe. And it is a really interesting feeling. Like your body is tightening without any effort from you. You know, it's kind of like... Even more than the baby moving inside you, it's like, wow, this is happening completely independently from anything I'm doing. It's like I've grown this appendage that's smacking me in the face, kind of. It's painless. You know, it's a tightening, usually at the top of the uterus, spreads down, and your stomach can get really hard, even sometimes pointy, right? It's just all that muscle in there. You probably... I haven't gotten one until like your second or third trimester. Some people have them super early, but the closer you get to your due date, the more frequent they become and the more intense. And so that's when you really start to wonder if you're in labor. Did you guys have them?
1: No, I never had.
0: Wow, any... I, I thought had everyone them. had them, and they weren't yeah. painful at all, which is I think why I wasn't Concerned. alarmed by them. But I, it was you more... described it absolutely perfectly. Yeah. It was a very bizarre just sort of, oh, it's hard now. Right. Yeah. It's like your body is possessed by an alien. Now, granted, your body is possessed by an alien for the entire part of your pregnancy. But, but this is really like it's completely involuntary. There's nothing I can control. And it doesn't feel like a baby. So how do you tell if you're in labor? A real contraction, which ironically, I never actually had because I never really went into labor because I was induced, oh. so Chandra's I'm frowning, so how did she get through this <laughs> pregnancy thing without contractions? So a real contraction is something that you can kind of set your watch by. There's a regularity, even if they're very far apart in the beginning. You know, They come at regular intervals. They get stronger and closer as time passes and they keep coming no matter what you do the real contractions like a Braxton Hicks if you just kind of relax and 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 put your feet up they go away drinking a little water they go away but real labor contractions you're in the funnel there you just they keep coming
1: i always knew what Braxton Hicks were so when i was getting closer to my due date with both children I was waiting for these practice contractions to happen. And of course, they never came. And then the day that I went into labor with both children, I had contractions that weren't equally timed. And they always said, you know, if they're equally timed, that means you're going to labor. So I would measure them, and my husband would measure them. And then, but they would, they would be like 15 minutes, and they'd be 10, and then maybe 12, and then be 13, and then they'd be 10. And then, be, so they would bounce back and forth. And I'm like, what the heck is this, Braxton Hicks, or are these real? And both times they ended up going
0: into full labor. When I was induced, I remember at some point when I was sort of chugging along and I was like, "Oh, this... And then I was having contractions and I could see it on the monitor. I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. But then my water broke and I was like, oh, okay, now I understand what this is. It was much worse, so. So, you know, that's the other clue, of course, that these are not Braxton Hicks. <laughs> if right. your water breaks, if you have other strange discharge, like bloody mucus, it's probably the real deal, so. The plug, right? Yeah. You lose the plug. Obviously, you know, if you're very near your due date, the likelihood is greater that those are not just Braxton Hicks. Those are the real thing because it's it's time. So were there any other signs that you were really in labor?
1: I had a hard time figuring it out, even with the second one. I mean, it's like, hello, I already went through this once. And I was eating dinner and I was like, God, I just don't feel comfortable. And it was 10 days away. And it was just kind of like, ugh, it's like tight and weird and gassy. And then like five minutes later, I was like, Oh, it's still. And Paul's like, are you in labor? I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) What an idiot. I'd already done this once. So I think that it felt differently the second time. You know, every pregnancy is different and it did progress. But they, mine were always irregular before they were regular. And I think that that is an interesting thing to note. Like not everybody's going to Right. Go through labor at the same rate and speed, and sometimes it can take a really long time. It could take a whole day for your contractions to start to get more regular. You may water may break early, and you be in a lot of pain, or it may break later. They may have to break it for you when you get to the hospital. There's so many
0: different ways it can go down. Don't be freaked out by them, though. I think that's the yeah, the that's the bottom line, bottom line is message. There an, is there an app for this? Oh yes, there is. App, there right? is Braxton Hicks. So well, there's surreal. a contraction. There's a contraction. Yeah,
1: yeah. which is a lot easier than, like, the handwritten thing that I
0: made my husband do. Someday it'll just be built into the iPhone.
1: Or just built into the child, you know. (laughs) Somehow you can just bake it into your uterus and it'll come out on your phone.
0: Like one of those turkey popper things. Yeah. yeah. That's it for Pregnancy Confidential for today. Our producer is Sarah Abdurrahman. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter at Parents Magazine. Facebook at facebook.com slash parents magazine or Instagram at of course parents magazine and if you like our show I hope you'll tell a friend a pregnant friend and subscribe to us in Stitcher or iTunes or whatever app you like and and leave us a rating please also because that helps other people find our show the beauty of this podcast unlike so many other podcasts is that You don't have to wait. We're not holding out on you. You can listen to the next week right now. So if you want a sneak peek of what's ahead as you head into the home stretch, you can listen right now.